The Athletic. The, mind, the first kind of jig, whatever they're doing, is the one after that, and then the manager getting involved with it. Qatar Nine Tails. Sela Sauer gives South Korea a proper spanking on day 16 at the World Cup. Results banned the brothers going all 4-1 and showing everyone how it's done. It was a bad day for Sun and for Rising Sun as Japan go out to Croatia on penalties that same afternoon. For once Japan finishing their game in untidy fashion. We review the action and look ahead to Tuesday with the final round of 16 matches. Portugal, Switzerland and Spain, Morocco. It's totally at the World Cup. Sponsored by Live School Bet. Wow, listener, thank you so much for joining us. It's totally the World Cup Day 16 in Qatar. I'm here with Liam Tharm and Sasha Gurionov. Hello. Hello, James. Hello. Hello, Liam. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Very shortly, we'll be hearing from Natalie Jedra. She's just collecting herself after that Brazil performance that we've just witnessed. Oh, my goodness. Liam, were you kind of minute by minute? Were you, you across it, were you? They were great, weren't they? They were purring, I think, that attack. It was, yeah, um, yeah really, really good display to watch. Yeah. We'll, we'll also have uh, Alvaro Romeo uh, talking to us shortly about Spain's chances in uh, their uh, last 16 match, which is coming up on Tuesday, of course, which looks an interesting one against Morocco. But anyway, Monday's been quite the day. The results well, first of all, in the afternoon, Croatia took 120 minutes and penalties to defeat Japan. And then Brazil took about 10 minutes uh, to put away South Korea. Career ending that performance, I think possibly for, for various people. But uh, we'll have our, our thoughts or the thoughts of Liam and Sasha very, very shortly. But first of all, let's hear from Natalie Jedra there at the Stadium 974. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. You are talking to a very uh, happy, satisfied and hopeful Brazilian at the moment. Honestly, James, it was really good. Natalie, you watch Brazil a lot. Have you ever seen them play as well as they did in that first half? Yeah, well, it was definitely the best 45 minutes uh, I've seen in Brazil in this World Cup and for a while, actually. Uh, I was I was surprised with, with a few things to, to start with the starting 11 because uh, Titi selected the starting 11 we were all waiting for, the Brazilians. We wanted to see all, all four uh, up front and it worked perfectly. Uh, so, and the way they were moving and the passing, it was just, it, it was everything we expect from Brazil. So it really exceeded expectations. The, the, those first 45 minutes were, were just excellent. Yeah, you dismantled South Korea the way that they are shortly going to be dismantling the stadium 974. The goals were spectacular. Which was your favourite? Uh, maybe Richarlison's, especially because both defenders, Marquinhos and Thiago Silva, were involved in the build-up as well. So that makes it interesting. And you mentioned the stadium. I'm right in front of the stadium. I'm right in front uh, 974 now. And the atmosphere was good. It wasn't exceptional because us Brazilians, we are, we are we're dreading a little. We're getting ahead of ourselves and dreading a little uh, a possible semifinal with Argentina. And let me tell you, James, I've covered all the Argentinian matches, all of them. And they can pull an atmosphere. So, so, so. But first, Croatia. First, Croatia. Uh, and what, what 
another aspect that that really surprised me was was the fact that Brazil could pull it off uh, in, uh, in in such a big match. It's the last 16. It's not like the third group match uh, when Brazil was already almost qualified. It, it counted so much, this match. Uh, Brazilians were very nervous about it. So, so all of this just made the performance even bigger. Right. The players didn't look nervous at all. Straight from the off, they were they were at South Korea. Vinicius with the first goal, Neymar with the with the with the penalty then afterwards. So within ten minutes you already looked like you had the game done and dusted. After ten minutes as well, the fans unveiling a banner for a Pele, which they also brought out in the second half as well. And it, it was a performance that he or or any of the greats would have been proud of. Oh yes, definitely. No, and and he's been posting recently in his social media. He posted uh, an encouraging message today. Uh, so so there is the the Pele factor that's that's mobilizing everyone. Obviously, it is it is a an important factor for 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 Brazilian in in this World Cup. Mm. You were talking about the Richarlison goal. I love the Fokker-esque kind of tribute that he did. Uh, do you remember Kelon, the 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 guy who used to bounce the ball on his head? Richarlison doing a similar kind of tactic in the build-up to that. Wow, you you remember Kerlon? Amazing! That's that's a good reference, James. Yes. No, it was a brilliant goal, and I think uh, when you watch Brazil, there's this expectation of of seeing the unexpected, if that makes sense, because uh, we kind of rely on these creative moments and, and the pace that Brazil showed on first half. And of course, people are going to say that uh, Brazil pulled off this huge performance, this very good performance on, on the first half uh, because Neymar was back. But I don't think it's that simple. It's not that straightforward. Of course, be, having Neymar on the pitch affects the way teams defend against Brazil because he is such a high quality player and the defenders worry about him so much but it wasn't just about Neymar and his skills and he showed his skills of course but it was uh, the way they they were moving and Casemiro was brilliant on the build-ups Paqueta his best performance so far Uh, he just felt very comfortable playing closer to the attacking players and all three up front besides Neymar, all three up front, they're really good. Rafinha, he should have gotten a goal because he had a really good performance. Vinicius with his pace going up and down. So everything worked really well for Brazil, especially up front. Mm. And then in the second half at the other end, Alisson showing what a star he is. Oh, yes. He's so reliable. It's impressive. Well, anyone who follows the Premier League knows how much Alisson really stands up uh, in these big moments when he is needed. And he has this uh, cold side of him that that all good goalkeepers have. So, and and the the way Brazil defended as well with the line of four, because Danilo played uh, on the left, which is something he already did at Juventus and even at Man City, he played on the left, uh, but he was really, uh, really reassuring there and Militão defending brilliantly. Even uh, on the second half when Dani Alves came in, the, the, the back three with Danilo, Thiago Silva and Marquinhos, they could handle everything, almost everything, because the team obviously relaxed a little uh, on second half and South Korea were able to to create more chances and to be more uh, present on the game. Actually, I was at Portugal, South Korea at the stadium following that match and 
I have to say, South Korea, they were defending against Portugal better. Of course, Portugal had a, a, an alternative lineup, but they were defending Cristiano Ronaldo better than they defended Neymar or all the other big teams. Maybe they felt a little the, the, the big moment, last 16, the, the big stage. But but on second half, we could see some some positives from, from them. And their fans are amazing, honestly. They chanted during the whole match. So, so good for them. To be fair, Natalie, I think any team would have struggled against that Brazil. From this end, there was absolutely nothing you could fault the Seletau on in that first half. I understand you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but this looked like a pretty perfect team. Yeah, no, I can understand that, James. Uh, but uh, we, we've we've reached uh, stages, big stages in in World Cups with with great squads and great players and really good performances, and sometimes things don't click. And um, I, I think Brazil will be fine against Croatia. I cannot guarantee it because Croatia is such a good team. But if you if you consider a match against against uh, Argentina or France, uh, these big big uh, historical matches, then it everything changes. Everything just changes. You know the way they they defend Brazil, the way they they risk more. You know it's it's different facing these teams in in a World Cup with all with all the background, with all the history. Of course, things click. At perfectly for Brazil today. It was an outstanding performance. I, honestly, I wasn't expecting such a high-level performance because the first half was absolutely perfect. There was nothing I would change in that first half. Uh, but again, it's the World Cup. We've been disappointed for the past 20 years at some point. So so we have to be, to be careful, definitely. Natalie Jedra, outside the stadium, 974. What Brazil did inside that, Liam, this evening, purring, as you say. Mm. Tell us more. I thought they were fantastic. The sort of display they needed. I think they've been quite slow, quite cagey, early doors in their games. Uh, and to see the spread of goals um, as well, I think was really, really impressive. They haven't been too reliant on Neymar for a long time now. Um, to see Vinicius Jr. on the score sheet, I think was a, a really nice goal. Uh, they're a very, very good team in getting their wide players involved. Um, it wasn't the deliberate attack, I think, to go from Rafinha to, to Vinny like that, but uh, a lovely move and a big goal for him, I think, in, in a national team shirt. Um, he's not been too much uh, among the goals for Brazil, so that, that's a good one for him. Mm. Sasha. Well, for me, I thought what's striking about that is, yes, they went around the flanks, but the third goal, basically they parted the Red Sea down the middle and went through it straight to the heart of the defence. So ask Korea after the goal, like, what do you do? Because I know, you know, um, the commentators on ITV were criticising the way South Korea was set up, but I don't think it really mattered how they set up in midfield because they weren't picking up the deep runners or maybe the slow runners like Thiago Silva, but he found himself on his own on the edge of the box setting up that goal. And I think, really, it is very hard when you play Brazil, this Brazil, to find any sort of balance between attacking and defending. And as we, could, as we saw in the previous games, in the Brazil's first two games, hard-won victories, but they were victories. You cannot just defend against them forever. They will score. So perhaps, you know, it might look foolhardy that Korea were trying to be a bit more brave, but I don't think any approach would have worked against Brazil tonight. Mm. Uh, the fourth goal was possibly my favourite with the Vinicius with that delicious little dink over the top to Paquetá. Goal 
de Lucas Paquetá para o Brasil. Sort of movie probably does with David Moyes back in uh, <laughs> East London. As for Richarlison's, was that goal better than his overhead kick in the opening game against Serbia? What do you think? He was perhaps he was more in control throughout here because against Serbia, remember he took a bad first touch and then he made up for it with technique. Whereas today, I think he was in control throughout. But it seems to be that the World Cup and playing for Brazil is just a stage made for, made for him. He plays with so much freedom and confidence. And I think, you know, to be the fulcrum of a Brazil attack, it's quite something. And, you know, he's a young player and, you know, he enjoys his football. He also can be quite spiky. Um, but I think overall, like, the way he embraces this tournament is quite remarkable. Mm. Liam, Natalie's point there that although everybody focuses a lot on Neymar, there are so many ways this team can hurt you. So many way that so many ways that it excels. It's it's a real problem for anyone who's going to be facing them. Yeah, Sasha mentioned the variety really in the attack. How they went down the sides, they went through the middle. Um, I thought they were doing some cool stuff in build up at times. They're normally a back four, but at times were pushing. I think it was Danilo as the, the left back today, sort of playing a bit more inside in midfield. Sometimes building up with the three, overloading teams, and having that variety, I think, is is massively important. It feels really like a, a team more than a collection of individuals. We all saw how they celebrated the goals. They're clearly, uh, you know, very together as a group. And I thought it was quite telling that, and people might see it as disrespectful, but even when the third and fourth went in, they still celebrated it like the first goal. That clearly still matters to them as much as just taking the lead. I was really curious, actually, because Vinicius has been dancing after goals of Real Madrid all season in, in La Liga. And there's been a huge controversy. There's been a, quite a lot of abuse for him as a result. And I know that the, the Celestar players have, have been you know, showing their solidarity with him on social media. Whether the fact that they were doing this dance was in any way their way of saying, listen, we're just going to keep dancing here. But what, a, what an incredible performance. The, the last time Brazil scored four goals in the first half of World Cup match was... Well, I'm shocked if you know this, Sasha, but have a go. Uh 62? Well, a little bit earlier, 54 against Mexico. But somebody has scored four goals in the first half of a World Cup knockout game more recently. It was Germany against Brazil in 2014. I didn't want to bring that one up. I thought it was more. In the first half, yeah. Yeah, it must have felt like it. I'm in Brazil. As for Korea, I'm in the worst 90 minutes of their uh, careers, probably. But uh, at the same time, they can walk off the pitch and say, look, we've been played off the pitch by that. Plus, you know, there was a lovely, lovely consolation. Uh, Pike Sung-ho, I think he was making his World Cup debut today. Um, you know, he's a Barcelona alumnus, so went through Girona and now back at uh, Jungbuk, uh, back in Korea. But, you know, 25-yard strike, okay, little deflection on there. But I was looking at thinking, that's football heritage because 38% of Korea's goals at the World Cup were scored from outside the box, 15 out of 39 since 1986, and only Brazil has scored more since. So it's a lovely touch. All right, Sasha. How do you think Croatia felt watching that? <laughs> Still tired, I'd imagine, from another another extra time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, as a prospect, mm. they they'll have just. I imagine. I know the traffic's not great in Qatar, but they'll have got back to the hotel, put that on, and that's who you're facing next. And this is what the are they the oldest team? They played like yes. it on Monday. Yeah, and the midfield in particular. Um, yeah, there's. I mean, you can view that as experience as well of players that have performed on this stage, but. Um, physically and against a Brazil team that are going to attack you, have got wide players that are going to run at you, um, having older tired players might not be fantastic. Well, even today, looking at the Japan game, Japan were getting down the wings against uh, Croatia. They literally, like it looked to me like they bypassed the midfield because they knew that that's where Croatian strength was, went around the sides and got quite a lot of joy. So looking at the Brazil performance today, 
I mean, yeah, good luck to to Croatia because I can't. The, the problem with Croatia, they have the experience, but they've, I don't think they'll be able to use that experience. And you have, you know, they have Lovren at centre back, uh, who has been making mistakes and getting away with them during this World Cup. Uh, today he didn't get away with one, but I I think um, it could be another heavy defeat uh, for the opposition. All right. Croatia have upset the odds before. Now, we'll talk about their game against Japan on Monday afternoon next. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet, the home of squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game. You reveal five players across the week which make up your squad, and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by LiveScore Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 per goal, which you can spend once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play squads for yourself for free at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Absolutely hero. Absolutely hero. There you go, those were celebrations Croatian style on Monday afternoon as Pasolic put away the winning penalty in their last 16 game against Japan. Worst penalties you've ever seen? From Japan? Not necessarily. I oh, mean, come on, oh, Sasha. They were they, awful. They, they, they were quite bad. But, okay, the first Minamino one was terrible. Yeah, the uh, next one? They the missed ne- the second one. Well, the thing is... <laughs> or at least they were saved. I mean, they, they was, they, to, The keeper got yeah. down reasonably well. They went down his throat. He had to get down for them. So, you know, I've, I've seen worse penalties than that. But I think once the Minamino is one that's missed, it's because it's so bad. You just feel like they're really up against it. Okay, maybe not individually the worst, but mm. as, a as a collective of shootout. Yeah, yeah. Penalties, they were. But, but again, it's, it's, this, this is, I don't think, the situation that Japan are particularly familiar with. Whereas if you look at Croatia, there's like a whole list of these defeats. Actually, uh, defeats and wins as well. Uh, so this is, I think, the seventh of the last eight playoff matches that go to penalties. And I actually looked at them. I watched the first one in Vienna in a bar uh, when they lost to Turkey. That mad game they scored in the last minute and had time to concede. Modric missed the penalty in that one and they went out 3-1. Bilic was the manager. It was completely insane. That was and in 2008? That's 14 years ago, exactly. Good Lord. And Modric was already an international, I think, for a couple of years at that stage. So this is just, wow. again, shows you the age of this team, uh, no matter how good they how are. How were you, Liam? Uh, annoyed, because I felt like we'd really invested everyone watching to get to pens and then have such a, a poor shootout. As you say, the, the pens are quite bad. It's the seventh um, World Cup penalty shootout in a row that's been won by the team taking second, which just doesn't feel Ooh, yeah, interesting. advantageous interesting. to me. Um, the split, supposedly statistically, modern data shows it's about 50-50, but in my head, you always have an advantage taking first because as long as you score, you're going to be fine. If you go second, you need either your keeper to make a save or them to mess up. Um, and I believe the goalkeeper, this is another shootout where a Croatian keeper's made three saves, which is, I think, a, another World Cup record or a, a joint record. So it's a Subasic uh, against yeah. Denmark. So bad penalties, good saves. I think they can be, be both. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, sadly not not a great um, set of pens. But I think that's an issue with Japan. And as good as their players are, they've not got a ton of goal scorers or clinical players to, to take penalties. But they'll have an Asian Cup coming soon, and they've got a lot to be optimistic about. And and also they've got some really special memories. Without being too cheesy about it, they they've had some pretty amazing memories from this uh, World Cup, beating a couple of uh, world world champions, of course, in Germany and Spain. Lovely stuff. Nice touch from Perisic after Croatia won the penalty shootout. Before he went over and joined the rest of his teammates, he he consoled. He went and shook hands and kind of comforted some of his uh, some of the opposition players. And he it was, of course, who had equalised a game that Croatia looked well out of at that point with an extraordinary header. Great ball in from Dejan Lovren. Um, <laughs> But I thought I love Perisic. I mean, he's such a look at him, just such a professional, um, just such a skillful, smart player. He was on the end of many things today, um, and including you know he had a one-on-one early doors, which I think, and we'll come back to this. Uh, Shuichigon, they did very, very well on to hold his position. He, he that header, he was 11, 12 yards out, planted it into the bottom corner when his team really needed it. For me, that's one of the best goals of the tournament, actually just the execution of it. Um, but I think, sadly, in this in this game, I thought Japan looked much more interesting. Japan looked like the accomplished team. We talked about the games where they defeated Spain, defeated Germany. I felt in those games, they were good for perhaps 10, 15 minutes, and they got quite lucky. Today, I thought, was a very accomplished Japan performance. They played like a big side. I guess the team that finished um, second, you know, only four years ago, and I thought this was almost, it wasn't their game to lose, but here they played as equals, which I think for Japan, looking at that game afterwards, for coaching staff, for the players, they, they, they can say, look, we went out on penalties, but it wasn't a fluky with the way we got to the penalties. We played as equals. All right. Seven, seventh time to penalties or seventh time to extra time of their last eight knockout yes. matches. Good luck getting to extra time with Brazil, Croatia. A- anything else you want to say about this game? There were 120 minutes in which there were two goals. And I mean, it was played for anyone who wasn't watching or fell into a deep slumber during the course of those minutes. It was played at a completely different pace to the the evening's game between Brazil and South Korea. Yeah, and there was there's a lack of control, I think, from both sides. Japan's best moments against Germany and Spain had come really in, in transition and in, as you mentioned, Sasha, in sort of spells of 10, 15 minutes of being really good and not sort of dominating a game for um, 90 minutes. And there were points where it got quite pinball-y, I think, towards the end and sort of both teams really going for it. I completely agree with you on, on Perisic. I think he's been fantastic. I think he's scored now at five major tournaments in a row, which is including European Championships and right. And he, World Cups. He also became the first Croatian player to score at mm. three World yeah. Cups, as well as representing, I believe, his country at water polo. Did wow. he? Yeah. Oh, so I read on, all the boxes on social <laughs> media today. So yeah. But of course, massive water polo nation. Yeah. Uh, we can see all the water polo hats, obviously, in the in the crowd. Mm. Very long coastline, so you know it it, it, it kind of figures. But I um I thought one of the one of the reasons perhaps that um Japan didn't have to go hell for leather for 10, 15 minutes today was because I think they were much more in the game. I think there were situations in the second half where they broke, but in fewer numbers than they did in the previous game. So I thought they were very much I think maybe the while they weren't in complete control, they were in most control. I think we've seen them in a long time. And I think really, really in this game. Um I don't really agree about falling into slumber because I think it was an intriguing enough game and also because the underdog were leading because of the narrative there I, I thought it was actually quite watchable first time they've led of course or yes. sorry gone one that up mm-hmm. in this tournament as mm-hmm. well so a completely different prospect there yeah. in terms of managing a game um, from early on you know having leading as well mm-hmm. Sasha I, I actually misremembered that Perisic thing it wasn't water polo it was beach volleyball yeah he played beach volleyball for the Croatia team Volley, volleyball yeah volleyball volleyball well, yeah, I pronounce it a bit oh, differently. But yeah, no. that's the sport we're talking about. The one on the beach where no, you kind of... 
Yeah, do, do they? Because they have sto- mostly stony beaches you on the Croatia. Just <laughs> I'm sure they've got the. Uh, there's a very nice uh, sandy beach. Oh. That, I don't know. If oh, Croatia. Bro, okay. Ball Island of Ball, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Anyway, visit Croatia, guys. Well, obviously, with um, his two footedness that he's renowned for, mm. playing off the left and can cross with both feet, can score with both feet, he's two handed as well than with, with volleyball. And I guess that header today was akin to the sort of smash you might get off of a good spike pass as well. Would you do that with your head in beach volleyball? If you can head it like that, I suppose why not? Are you allowed to use your head and you can use your feet though, can't you? You You can use your feet to control. Yeah, yeah, you're allowed to. uh, I think so. You're definitely allowed to in whatever the indoor volleyball is to control and keep it up. This is beach volleyball. Different game, different discipline. But then again, my uh, beach volleyball experience is pretty much limited to watching Goose and Maverick going at it. Hell of a sight. Hell of a sight. Who is is, uh, Perisic's Goose? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, well done to Croatia. They go through to a quarterfinal with Brazil. Sasha, that's on Friday. And the winner of that gets to meet the winner of... Argentina, Netherlands. Woof. Beginning to get mighty meaty this this World Cup. Of course, we've still got two last 16 matches to go. They're coming up on Tuesday. And they feature Morocco taking on Spain and Portugal, Switzerland. We'll be talking about those games in the final part of this Totally at the World Cup. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by Live Score Bet. Okay, everybody, Morocco taking on Spain and Portugal against Switzerland. Spain, though, remember back opening set of matches when they put seven past Costa Rica and everyone thought that the Spanish were going to be the side who would blow everyone away? Well, it turns out they've been on quite the ride since then. Alvaro Romeo. Uh, joins us now to discuss their prospects against Morocco. And I asked him, first of all, about the way that their group stage went from winning 7-0 against Costa Rica to needing goals in another game to avoid crashing out in the group stage. 
Absolutely. And Spain was out for three minutes. Uh, it was incredible, really, uh, because it's very difficult to read what Spain is about right now. They started uh, beating Costa Rica 7-0, hammering them, basically. Then a one all with Germany, which was very promising, in my opinion. And then uh, a 2-1 defeat to Japan. And uh, thanks to Germany, Spain is in the last 16 round. Um, there are no clear patterns. This is what I can say. I mean, Spain is dominating the games, yes. But then, you know, against lesser opposition or what looks like lesser opposition like Japan, we have lost and then we played the terrific game against Germany. So Spain are through, but we don't know which Spain at the moment. How concerned are you then about Morocco and what is essentially a, almost a derby for you? It is almost a derby. That's why the home office and the local governments, they have prompted the police to reinforce security ahead of this game because uh, we shouldn't be forgetting, James, that uh, close to a million Moroccans live in Spain. So I don't know what kind of uh, riot can happen. Maybe no riots at all. But, uh, you know, look at what happened at Belgium, at the Netherlands. So the Spanish uh, government has decided to make sure or to let the police know that they have to be pepped and alert just in case. But, uh, you know, I expect a difficult game. That's for sure, because Morocco has had two clean seats in the World Cup against um, Belgium, against Croatia. Six clean seats in the last seven games. So they are going to be different difficult to beat. And my question is, if Morocco will wait for Spain to make a mistake, in other words, if they will wait for their chance, or whether they will have a more proactive approach and press Spain intensively, as Japan did in the second half, because this seems to be the way to beat Spain. What's the reaction been to the uh, game so far, to the performances in the Spanish press, Alvaro? Uh, it went from pure joy to... A little bit of concern about what happened with Japan. Uh, the, 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 the victory against Costa Rica was fantastic and all that. Then against Germany, Spain competed. And then what happened against Japan um, also reinforced the idea among Spanish press that Spain is capable of playing very well against very strong sides. But then they suffer in every game. There are spells in every game in which they suffer. Uh, some of the players um, may be too young, perhaps, Pedri, Gabi, even though they are fantastic, uh, and some other players up front, they are not uh, providing or giving the best possible level, like Nico Williams, perhaps, or Ansu Fati, also because they are very young too. Mm. Uh, there is a certainty or there is a belief that there is a pentagon that no one should move. It's an unremovable pentagon with uh, Rodri Laporte, Pedri, Busquets and Gabi, because they give the, the team they needed the stability and tidiness in the middle. And after that, well, uh, there are some fringe players like Danny Olmo who are playing fantastically. Alvaro Morata has scored three goals, which is very good. But um, also there is a feeling that aside from our nice game, there is no a plan B against right. Japan, for instance. Spain probably would, could have done with a good target man, but uh, Luis Enrique hasn't called anyone. Uh, Alvaro Morata is the only referential number nine, but he's not that type of target man. And a player like Borja Iglesias, for example, could have offered at least an alternative to the many wingers we have in the squad. We did see the difference that Morata has made, particularly in the, in the Germany game, though, and three goals, as you mentioned, extraordinary, given that he's only had two goals for his club since early September. But it just seems to click with... With, with, the, with the Spanish national side? Yeah, maybe because there is no bigger believer um, in Álvaro Morata than Luis Enrique. Álvaro Morata knows that Luis Enrique likes him. He has been capped in good days and bad days. 
and he's been given the chance against Costa Rica. He didn't start. I believe that he didn't start against Germany neither, but you knew that Morata was going to come in at some point. And Luis Enrique has been always a fan of his work ethics, his intensity, his uh, press, high pressing as well. So, you know, I think that Alvaro Morata has found in the Spanish national team an ecosystem in which the manager believes in him 100%. And on top of that, right now, there are not good number nines in Spain or very good number nines, let's put it like this. Mm. And then Alvaro Morata knows that he is uh, probably the only option up front you want to play with the number nine. So that's why he feels, you know, uh, very motivated and very, very confident when he plays with the Spanish national side. Alvaro Romero. Liam, there's clearly a very good team in in there. Are we going to get to see it again, do you think, before this tournament's up? I think we could quite well see it in this game. Um, I think Morocco are a very dynamic attacking side that are going to want to play more football than people expect them to. Obviously, Spain are going to sort of dominate the ball. I think they've been at their most exciting Spain when they haven't played uh, Morata. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily a bad player. I just think that when you look at uh, their central midfielders in particular, uh, in, in Gavi and Pedri, that they're better when they've got a player that can combine with them more. Um, they look quite good, I think, going down the left as well when they can push Alba nice and high and wide. Um, Danny Omo compliments him quite well, obviously liking to come in. Um, and I've just been really impressed with them, not just crossing the ball a whole uh, a whole ton, trying to combine a bit more, scoring goals that I more associate with sort of a Spanish national side. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, they're, yeah, they're going to be really exciting. OK, because I quite fancy Morocco's chances, but h- how wrong I was, Sash? Yeah, I, it's, I thought it's, it might be interesting whether to play Morata or, or Asensio, given that, I mean, I've been looking, obviously, you, you know all about this, how they press differently when, when Asensio is on and Morata is on. But are they going to have to do any pressing in this game at all? Or if they press, Morocco will just go long. Uh, and basically outrun them, which 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 they have done. Um, so I think it, it is quite a, like quite an interesting dilemma for Spain because also like against Japan, had eighty three percent of the ball. Rodri completed two hundred passes to not much really good. They really didn't have that much penetration. But again with the Morata up top, so I think lots of questions for Spain ahead of this you, one. You mentioned Morocco going long. That goal they scored against Canada, Hakimi's incredible ball up to in in in, uh, in Nezri. Uh, wow, one of the goals of the tournament. Morocco manager Walid Redragi. Still less than 100 days in the job. Just extraordinary the way he's got that team organised. Still no opposition player has managed to score against them in this tournament. So it's going to be a test for the Spanish. They've looked phenomenally good without the ball. Um, they've been incredibly incredibly compact, um, defended very well in wide areas. I think they've arguably got the best fullback pairing at the tournament uh, in, in Hakimi and Masrawi, and that's been the area where Spain looked most vulnerable. If you look at Japan's goals that came against them, it's defending wide areas, it's defending crosses. Um, and I think Hakimi in particular is really good fun, really, really advanced, often plays high up against the left-back. Um, he's quite tall as well, I think, so he can definitely be a target there aerially. Um, and as we sort of mentioned, their speed on the break, their incision with which they can attack teams... And they set themselves up to be a good tournament team because they've conceded one goal under um, uh, their new head coach and that was scored by uh, Nef Agard as well, their, their own defender. So it wasn't exactly conceding a load of chances. Um, it's you know one sort of slight defensive lapse. But besides that, clean sheets in every game. I don't expect them to do that, but having that sort of defensive foundation means you can win games 1-0 or 2-0. Also, it's going to be a home game for them. The stadium is going to be packed with Morocco fans or sympathisers. I think the Batman will be there in the Morocco end. So I'm looking forward to hearing all them. All right, well, the winner of that game will then be facing in the quarterfinals whoever comes out of the other last 16 match on Tuesday, which is Portugal against Switzerland. So many questions about this game. Cristiano Ronaldo, one game left for him to find a job, essentially, no? Would you would you sign him based on his performances in this tournament? 
Well, it's, it's, it's not really my decision, but apparently someone would for half a billion euros or half something. Half a billion. Sasha, this is the Saudi Arabian club. Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, it's uh, club for Al-Nasr uh, from Riyadh. Clearly need the strengthening midway through the season. Um, Rudy Garcia, the manager there, amongst uh, other players who will be playing with Ronaldo is Piti Martinez, Luis Gustavo, Talisco, uh, Vincent Aboubacar, uh, and uh, Arsenal alumnus David Ospina. Good Lord. So I think with Cristiano's addition, they probably have that title in the bag. Reports in Marca, the Spanish paper, as yet still unconfirmed, but... Wow, what point are they uh, are they in their season at the moment? Uh, they, I think they've played eight games. Al Nasser are second, uh, perhaps a point or two off the top. So they're going to make a push for that league. Will he be holding himself back in these final World Cup games? <laughs> keep himself fit for the, uh, the Al Nasser. Will, will he even play? There was a certain amount of friction between him and Santos after he was taken off against South Korea. He'd been at fault, essentially, for South Korea's equaliser. Once again, there have been polls back home in Portugal. Uh, newspaper polls, not, you know. Uh, but anyway, there's been a lot of comment by the public that they, they would like to see Rafael Leao perhaps get more uh, game time perhaps at Ronaldo's expense. I mean, they've got so many options, Portugal. Again, I quite fancy Switzerland in this. Am I wrong again, Liam? I, I don't think so. Um, they were a team that I think quite a lot of people didn't tip to get out of the group and it's happened at quite a few of the last few major tournaments. I'm not sure the specific number, but it's at least, I think, three or four that they've got out of the, uh, the groups across Euros and World Cups. Um, they're well balanced enough. They've got a really, really talented goalkeeper in Jan Sommer. Um, UEFA's best defence in World Cup qualifying, only conceded twice. Um, and they always seem to be just good enough. Um, I think as, if I were to do it, they've obviously been in the Calisio for France in a recent major tournament. Um, and Bodo always seems to get two or three or four goals. Uh, and, and of course, Shakiri has got moments of magic. Um, absolutely. And, and you think sort of as these few jigsaw pieces of strength that they have can all come together, then definitely they're against a Portugal attack, who I think scored goals, but are quite misfiring. They don't look as good as some of their parts. They've actually met twice already this year, Portugal and Switzerland in the UEFA Nations League, God bless it. Portugal were comprehensive 4-0 winners when they clashed in Lisbon when Ronaldo got a brace in that game. But then Switzerland turned the tables when they encountered each other in Geneva. It was 1-0 to the Swiss, and the Swiss have been on a roll uh, ever since, beating both Spain and the Czech Republic in the Nations League, and then, of course, getting on to a terrific start with uh, two wins in their first three in Qatar. So, And, of course, yeah. shutting down Brazil. Uh, Brazil without Neymar, of course, but um, Brazil, as we discussed, have a lot of options. Um, they showed nothing going forward in that game, but they defended almost to the end. Uh, I think they conceded with a few minutes to go. So they are perhaps one of those tournament teams who can shut the shop uh, in, in, in knockout stages, could probably get to penalties. On the other hand, as we saw against Serbia, marvelous exploit. Like they, they exploit their opponent's weakness absolutely brilliantly. So it looks like a very smart tournament team. Excellent. Well, you can see Portugal-Switzerland, 7 o'clock UK time on Tuesday with the Spain-Morocco game happening at 3 o'clock. That all sounds terrific. Tuesday night, we'll be back with another Totally the World Cup. We're having a little look back as well on our moments of the World Cup so far, you know, because it'll be a couple of rest days after that before the quarterfinals get underway. Sasha and Liam, what, what, have, what, what would your nominations be for that category? Oh, yeah, exactly. Need to think now. Well, you can take 24 hours if you want. Let us know and we'll include them in tomorrow if nothing springs to mind. Listener, if you've got something that you're particularly cherishing as a memory from these opening 16 days, then again, let us know. I, I, no, my, my mine was, de Sasha. Mine was mm. definitely Son. 
the Son run. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's yeah. a beautiful moment. There you go. Well, more of that kind of thing and, of course, our reactions to the uh, Spain-Morocco and Portugal-Switzerland games coming up for you in 24 hours' time. That's it for today. So many, many thanks to Liam and to Sasha and guest producer Ben. Hello. And you, listener. And, of course, Natalie and Alvaro, too. Everybody, in fact. Super. We'll be back in a day's time. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScoreBet. Get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.